Friday, but yeah. yesterday we wanted to try and get to this trendy donut shop uh, nice and early, and they open at 7, and we were like, okay, yeah, do you want to go at 8? Yeah, let's go at 8. So we roll up to the donut shop at 10.30, uh. <laughs> and it is packed to the gills. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. That trendy. <laughs> What's so amazing about it is like a voodoo-style thing. Uh no not really it's a it's a coffee shop but they've also got uh like a lot of like good like really good food like I got a uh, Nashville hot chicken biscuit mm. but um they were actually out of biscuits but they served it to me on a croissant with some honey butter yeah I'm like, oh fuck <laughs> it was so good but Tim there is a special thing down in Texas and I don't know if this was a thing over in Mississippi or not whenever you were down in the south but do you know what kolaches are no I can't say oh that my I do. god. Okay, so a kolache is like it, it it's a breakfast pastry, but uh, it, it could be sweet, uh, mm-hmm. like it could have some fruit filling or some fruit topping, but could it, it could also be savory. Like there's bacon, egg and cheese kolaches. Mm. Um, there are like ham and cheese, but my favorite is there is a sausage company down here, much like Smith's in Erie, but they're called Slovacic sausage mm-hmm. and Dear God, a Slovakic sausage and cheese kolache is world changing. Mmm, that does sound good. Like, think it—the pastry tastes and f- like has the texture of you're eating a donut, but then it's just big old sausage in the middle. <laughs> just a big old it's sausage probably, in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. There, there's there's no problem with the way I phrase that, right? Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's uh, it's we're we're moving from Simpsons references to Arrested Development references though. We had the one a while back from the maid, and then one of my favorites is when Tobias dresses as Mrs. Featherbottom. You have you seen Arrested Development? I actually haven't. Okay. Anyway, well, he, so he's pretending to be a British person, and he goes, "Who wants a banger in the mouth?" And Jason Bateman's <laughs> like, uh, "We just call them sausages here." She's like, "Oh, well," and he's dressed as a British woman too, and he goes, "Who wants a sausage in the mouth?" He's like, "No, no, no, just just sausage." Um, so i hear you regarding being tired you know i only had to do it for three days but that still (laughs) murdered me last week oh my gosh i bet i bet just three days out of uh (laughs) not not even a full week not even not even like enough for you to be like okay yeah i could definitely see myself getting used to this again yeah no it was just enough to make you go do i really want to do this again how was that on I- i'm surprised they had you do it like monday tuesday wednesday not wednesday thursday friday because monday at 4 a.m is so much earlier <laughs> yeah. than wednesday at 4 a.m a monday I mean? at 4 a.m after eight months of not getting up at 4 a.m <laughs> yeah holy um, shit i I'd, I'd rather just like not sleep that night <laughs> yeah that probably would have been a, the better option but it, it was killer so we'll see. Now we're in a wait and see situation. But it was fun. To, it was good to be back on air again. It reminded me that I could do it. And you know what it did? It like it gave me closure, kind of. Like I was so bummed about that my that platform. I was so bummed about being deplatformed to use like a 2021 buzzword or 2022 <laughs> buzzword. You were um, so you were so bummed about being canceled. Yeah, yeah, I was canceled. Um, and uh, that I literally had like a running clock of like how long it had been since I had been on air. And I stopped it on Monday, of course, and and it just went so well and gave me a chance to go. I'm like, all right, you know, I, I do know how to do this. These people all believe that I can do this enough that, you know, like it, it, it sort of negated that, the that last. That they wanted you, 
Yeah. They wanted you on their show for three days. Yeah, three like, straight days. Yeah. Yeah. That's not that, that's not just like a, a one-off appearance, you know, like, yeah. oh, come in for One day a audition, segment. Yeah. No, like they're they're testing you out to see like, hey, how well do you do you gel with these people? And Tim, I, I listen to you. I listen to you guys for, for Monday, awesome. Tuesday, and Wednesday. Wow. I didn't hear many I, I think I only heard like one break yeah. on Wednesday. Because I mean, I I with the time difference, yeah. I was able to put on the show like while I'm prepping my own. Right. But you guys sounded great together. Thanks. Yeah, we felt. I mean, they, you know, they're just great hosts to begin with, and you know, so they were just like open to anything. And you know, we're just three radio professionals. I mean, it was great doing radio with people who who get it, you know, and not like you know some shitty toxic uh, place that thinks like changing the morning show every couple years is going to fix it like I get in there and everyone's awesome and it's great and it's such a cool environment and and I'm like okay I can do this so if that's where it ends I'm like all right well at least I didn't end on such like a a really awful note you know yeah so I didn't even restart the clock I didn't even restart the clock the count up clock counting up the days (laughs) since I've been on Pittsburgh Airwaves because I was like that's fine if that's the end of the radio chapter that's fine it but you know we'll see it's going to be a tough choice if I do have a choice well good luck to you thanks I, uh, I, I hope you I hope you get something, and uh, I hope you get something that you're happy with. Thanks. I- I'm not going to say, like, I hope you get something in radio. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to say, I hope you get something that pays the bills. I-, I hope you get something that you are happy with. Thanks. That's that's the uh, that's the goal. <laughs> uh, all right. Should we get going? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Th- I mean, this is, this is, by design, a very loose format episode. Yeah. But... Yeah, let's let's get into it. All right, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing: watching Seinfeld for the first time, which we have done. Yes, we're we're, we're done with it. We, we this is uh our our epilogue. Yeah, today we will be <laughs> revealing the future of No Hugging, No Learning. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last 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 episode, <laughs> the finale? First, we wanted to know why. Jerry's joke about Kramer turning into Burt Lancaster was so gosh darn hilarious. Not even really sure. You know, he's an actor, of course. I, I don't really know what I if I've ever seen him in a movie. But I did find this article from the New York Times film section that says Burt Lancaster's brawny melancholy from May 7th, 2000. And in the intro to the article, it says, in the final episode of Seinfeld, Kramer looks up into the sky and says with even more than his usual brio, there's something in the air. I can feel it. To which Jerry snidely retorts, you know you're turning into Burt Lancaster. The man who inspired such awe and trembling had become a punchline. Uh, and it, <laughs> so it goes on to just kind of describe. Uh, so I pulled a couple of other quotes from the article that maybe give us an idea as to, you know, why this was so funny. Um, I guess he was just that kind of actor, the one that would look pensively into the sky and say there's something in the air. In a way, here's another quote from the article. In a way, Lancaster's remarkable six-foot-one body and equally energetic mind did him the disservice of lasting too long. His cap-tooth charisma and immaculate diction seemed square once mumbling method men like James Dean and Marlon Brando changed the game. Out of his later years came many would-be classics and one true one the swimmer from 1968 oh i think they're talking about his 60s and 70s years here maybe just the late 60s the swimmer an underrated adaptation of get this john cheever's short story of the same name so there's another (laughs) seinfeld reference connection there the cheever the cheever of the cheever letters fame cheever wrote burt lancaster is 52 in a letter when the swimmer went into production in 1967 lithe comely and somewhat disfigured by surgical incisions 
and he looks both young and old, masterful and tearful. So that I just threw in because it was interesting that he was in a uh, movie based on a Cheever short story. But yeah, I, I guess it's just you have to know who Burt Lancaster is to think that joke is funny and or a grown up with his movies or, or something. And neither one of us did. So that's it. <laughs> there really wasn't much to it besides <laughs> that. Besides someone now, if I don't know, if there was a goofy stoner, if if Kramer was acting like even more of a goofy stoner than he normally does. And Jerry went, you know, you're turning into Seth Rogen. We would go, oh, that's funny because, you know, I know who Seth Rogen is, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what about some of the actors? One, the guy who played uh, Kim Bra, the new president of NBC, that actor I recognized. His name is Peter Rygert. He's 74 now uh, and is best known for his roles as Donald Boone Schoenstein in Animal House, which I have seen, but I don't remember him or what he did in it. Oil Company executive Mac McIntyre in Local Hero from 1983 with the great Burt Lancaster. Pickle store owner Sam Posner in Crossing Delancey. Oh, here's definitely one place I recognize him from that he would not want to be remembered for, I'm sure. Lieutenant Mitch Kellaway in 1994's The Mask, starring Jim Carrey. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely, definitely recognized him from that. Uh, He was in a movie called American Pastoral in 2016. Uh, He directed the short film Courier in 2000 and was nominated for an Oscar for Best Live Action Short. He was in Traffic, the the racially charged movie from, I don't know, back in the 2000s or whatever. Here's also where I recognize him from. He had a recurring role as crooked Newark assemblyman and later state senator Ronald Zellman in seasons three and four of The Sopranos. And he was also on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt as Lillian's love interest, Artie. So I definitely remember. Oh my remember, God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I definitely remember him from that as well. But he had long runs on One Tree Hill and The Good Wife. And so, yeah, just one of those uh, character actors has been in a ton of stuff. But Artie from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, I definitely remember. What about the actor that played the district attorney? James Rebhorn was an American character actor. He died in 2014 at 65. And this guy, again, just as I suspected, I was going to discover that he'd been in literally everything. If if you've seen a movie, he was in it. (laughs) He's been in over, (laughs) he has over 100 film, television series, and stage credits. At the time of his death, he did have recurring roles in the series White Collar and Homeland. He played Carrie's dad. We're big fans of that, so I remember that. He was also in Scent of a Woman as the head of the school at the very end that Al Pacino puts the, he dunks on. Al Pacino dunks on him. I was about to use my 90s slang and say puts the smack down on him. I forgot I should use my <laughs> Al Pacino totally cancels him and deplatforms him and dunks on him. Uh, he was in Carlito's Way, Independence Day. Uh, he's one of the president's one of the president's men in that one. Uh, my cousin Vinny, Meet the Parents, The Game, which I know Lomo Media at the movies just did. And I can't wait to listen to that episode because I love that movie. Um when I was growing up, so I'm curious to see what they thought of it. The Box with... Did you ever see that? The Box? It's the one with uh, Cameron Diaz and James Marsden, mm. and Frank Langella shows up with a button, and he's like, if you push this button, you get a million dollars, but somebody... Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. I've never seen it, but, like, <laughs> I, I've heard of it. I forgot that that existed. Yeah, it was it was, it was was more a more of a fun premise than it would pulled off, but Richard Kelly, I think, the guy that did Donnie Darko did it, and, yeah, it, when you... You can either if you push the button, you get a million dollars or something like that. You get a million dollars, but somebody uh, that you've never met on Earth dies or something like that. Wow! Oh yeah. my God, that was two thousand and nine. Wow! Jeez, I definitely would have said like, yeah, that was like 2013, 2014, 2015 or something, yeah, right? Yeah. No, that movie is thirteen years old. Feels more recent. Uh, blank check. He was in a great kids movie that I loved growing up. Baby Mama with Tina Fey. So again, he's been in everything. Been in everything. 
uh, and the finale of Seinfeld. Uh, what about Rivera Live? We see a couple of clips of this show. I guess it must have been big at the time. It ran from 94 to 2001. And, of course, it was hosted by Geraldo Rivera. And it was on CNBC. It was an evening news and interview show, which aired weeknights, uh, again, from 94 until he left in November of 2001, two months after the September 11th terrorist attacks uh, and two years before his contract was up. And he signed with Fox as a war correspondent. Jeez. And Geraldo has been with Fox News ever since. I forgot to look up Hideki Arabu um, because Frank yells at uh, George uh, George Steinbrenner, as he always does, about spending a lot of money on uh, somebody who I guess did not pan out for the Yankees. Let me see. I'm looking at baseball-reference.com right now for Hideki Arabu. Oh, interesting. Uh, so he played with the Yankees from 97 to 99 oh. and won two World Series rings with them despite only pitching in one postseason game. Oh, damn. He's dead. Oh, He's wow. only 42. Damn. Listen to this. Um, oh, my gosh. This is crazy. So the San Diego Padres uh, bought his contract from where he was playing in the Pacific League, I guess, in Japan. And then he uh, went to the Yankees. They traded him to the Yankees. And uh, he made his debut in, in July of 97, drawing almost twice as many fans that night as they averaged for weeknight games. So I guess there was a lot of buzz around this guy coming. Uh, and... George Steinbrenner publicly expressed disgust at his weight at one point calling him, quote, a fat pussy toad. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was 6'4", 240 pounds. Damn! He's a big boy. He's yeah. a big pitcher. He is a chonky pitcher. Um, <laughs> um, looks like in 97, he went 5-4, five and four, five wins, four losses. You know who's going to love this baseball coverage is Cat. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, he went five and four in '97, which I'm guessing would have been the season that uh, Frank Costanza would have been yelling about. Because yeah. in '98 he went 13 and nine, which, albeit better, I don't think would have it, it would have been still happening at the time that the finale was right, airing. Right, right, right. Yeah, and they won the World Series in '98 and '99, so he couldn't have been too upset. Um, yeah, yeah, but Steinbrenner called him the fat pussy toad after he failed to cover first base on a ground ball during a spring training game, and then he refused to let Arabu accompany the team to L.A. But two days later, he apologized and allowed Arabu to come back to the Yankees. Jesus <laughs> Christ! '98 was his best season, though. Yeah, I guess, but I guess the '98 season hadn't started up yet in May, or at least it wasn't going enough for him to have his best season. Because yeah, he had career bests and games started, complete games, innings pitched, wins, and ERA. Uh, and then he went to the Expos, the Rangers, and then back to Japan to finish out his career and like uh, his life, I guess. <laughs> there's a uh, lengthy article on Sports Illustrated, The Complicated Life and Death of Hideki Arabu. Yowza. Um, yeah, he uh, he offed himself uh, when he was, um, yeah, on, uh, he was on alcohol and Ativan. Jesus Christ. Yeah, his wife had just left him, apparently. So, uh, real upper there. I hope you feel good about yourself, Frank Costanza, for yelling about that. <laughs> uh, so that's all the homework that we had. We do have some trivia and tidbits from the episode. A bit of a legal nomenclature discrepancy that I'm betting some of the uh, some of the people who look at Seinfeld through that eye, through that lens, have already tackled. But Good Samaritan laws, you know, they really shouldn't have been arrested uh, under a Good Samaritan law because Good Samaritan laws offer legal protection to people who give reasonable assistance to those who are or who they believe to be injured, ill, in peril, or otherwise capacitated. All 50 states and D.C. have some type of Good Samaritan law. 
the details of which vary by jurisdiction, including who's protected from liability and under what circumstances. Um, the 98 Aviation Medical Assistance Acts also provided coverage for Good Samaritans while in flight. So the laws don't compel people to act. They just protect you <laughs> if you're like, if oh, you, do you act. Yeah, like, oh, I pulled you from this bridge collapse and you broke your arm in the process. You can't sue me for doing that because I was trying to, you know, <laughs> help you out, uh, you know, for, for whatever. Um, but there is something called a duty to rescue law, which does require people to offer assistance and holds those who fail to do so liable. Uh, in some countries, there exists a legal requirement for citizens to assist people in distress unless doing so would put themselves or others in harm's way. But the United States is not one of them. So Jackie was right. This is America. You don't have to help anybody. Uh, but a lot of countries do have that law. But such a duty may arise in two situations. One, where you created a hazardous situation. So if I dig a big hole in the middle of uh, you know, my yard or something like that or, or the park and someone falls in it, then you know I'm responsible for that. Uh, also, if you have a special relationship, for instance, parents have a duty to rescue to their minor children. Employers have an obligation to rescue employees which I don't think a lot of them know. Mm, uh, no, I can't see that ever happening. <laughs> spouses have a duty to rescue each other in all U.S. jurisdictions. And in the U.S., as of 09, 10 states had laws on the books requiring that people at least notify law enforcement of and or seek aid for strangers in peril under certain conditions. Some states like Minnesota, Vermont, and Rhode Island make it a misdemeanor if someone's in serious danger and you could have intervened safely or you called 911 and you didn't. So it's nothing that could have ended up with jail time or an $85,000 fine, whatever they said in the show. You know, it is a misdemeanor in some states to do what the gang does at the beginning of the episode and not help out or even call 911. We are not crazy, by the way. This is the only Seinfeld episode in the series to bear the Seinfeld URL during the Castle Rock logo, <laughs> it, uh, which was just I wonder why. Yeah. They're like, we better get this out there. You know, website, this, this, this internet's catching on. We better start advertising the URL. There's only one episode left. All right, put it on there. The town square where the mugging takes place, Ted recognized from his tour of that very set a couple years ago, at least. It is the same town set used in Gilmore Girls, Pretty Little Liars, and Heart of Dixie, among others. So I found three more references for that very popular gazebo. The Nipple Witness. Uh, the guy who's like, she showed her nipple or whatever. And that's all he said. And we're like, who is that? Are we supposed to know who that is? That is Fred, the guy that Elaine is dating in and breaks up with her because she showed her nipple off in the episode, The Pick from 92. Uh, the quote unquote kind of religious guy uh, in oh the episode. Oh, my God. Yeah, who she yells at in the office. Oh, well, I'm glad because now, you know, it is not I who was exposed. It was you for I've seen the nipple on your soul or something like that. Seinfeld co-creator Larry David, who left the series after season seven, returned to write this episode. This freed up Jerry, who had his hands full running the show without Larry David, to put together an opening stand-up comedy routine for the first time since David left the show. And I still can't believe that those took that much work. I mean, they're funny, but like, I don't know. They're not they're not so funny that you think like you spent a lot of time on them. You know, you think it's just like the kind of stuff that Seinfeld can shit out like in five minutes. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're fine. They're not groundbreaking. It's like, oh, that's what's. <laughs> That's what the episode's about. We're going to have a meeting and let's write jokes about meetings. Okay, blah, blah, blah. There we go. We're done. That's good enough. It's good enough for, for the first two minutes of the show. You know, it's just funny that he's like, oh, I don't I just don't have any time to write that, write that those gold nuggets of comedy. 
utmost secrecy was maintained around the production, as we know, kind of referenced in the last episode. The table read was held on one of the sets, and immediately after the read, all but one copy of the script was destroyed. Cast and crew had to sign off for their copy and return it at the end of the day, at which point it was shredded. The extras and studio audience were selected from among the producers and cast family and friends, and I remember that Jerry's podiatrist was in the audience because when he's wearing that sweatshirt, I don't even remember the name of the podiatrist, but he's wearing the sweatshirt and we're like, what the hell? And so we look it up and they're like, we are friends with Jerry Seinfeld. We were at the finale. We were invited to go to the finale. And here's, here's a picture of us with Jerry getting measured for his uh, orthotics and, and stuff like that. So we know he can keep a secret. And yeah. And they were all required to sign legally binding agreements, not to reveal the episode's details. A fake working title for the show was a tough nut to crack. Uh, all right yeah in addition a fake version of the verdict scene was created where the characters were found not guilty and you can Mm. see this on the season nine dvd set but this alternate ending is just a just the broadcast version of the scene with the word guilty replaced by not guilty and stock footage of the rosses inserted as a reaction shot I guess a less excited Rosses. Maybe the Rosses just like being sad or something. I don't know. So now I'm yeah. wondering, how does the episode end? Then does it just end right there? Because th- there's there, there's no them going to jail. There's no yeah. stand up in the prison. What, what what happens afterward? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. like if the if the series <laughs> ends on not guilty, yay! With the Rosses going boo, boom, yeah, that's the end. That's awful. Freeze frame. <laughs> Run the yeah. credits. Yeah. I don't know what their plan was in that case. Um, immediately prior to the live taping, Jerry Seinfeld said to his three co-stars, for the rest of our lives, when, every- when anyone thinks of one of us, they'll think of all four of us, and I can't think of three people I'd rather have that be true of. So it wow. sounds like a little bit of hugging and learning right before the live taping. Jason Alexander and Julie Louis-Dreyfus both recalled the speech in interviews decades later. Initially, the episode ended with Jerry, George, and Elaine and Kramer in their holding cell, having the same conversation they had at the beginning of the entire series. But Larry and Jerry decided at the last minute this was the wrong note to end on and came up with that closing stand-up scene, which was filmed after even the rap party had already taken place. Oh, wow. Yeah. The top price for a 30-second commercial during the U.S. broadcast was approximately $1 million, marking the first time ever on American television <laughs> history that a regular primetime television series, as well as a non-sport broadcast, has command- had commanded at least a million dollars advertising rate. The Super Bowl that year only charged a little bit more, $1.3 million. Oh, damn. Yeah. Okay, I was really thinking it would have topped the Super Bowl that year, but wow, it was so close. Yeah, yeah, it really was. I mean, it was. it's like even like 1.29, you know, it was like right there for a 30-second spot. Uh, in its original American broadcast, 76.3 million viewers tuned in to the finale, becoming the fourth most watched overall series in the U.S. at that time after MASH, Cheers, and The Fugitive. Hey you, do you want more No Hugging No Learning? Subscribe to our Patreon today for our full archive of exclusive bullshit movie reviews and content that gets cut from our weekly episodes, for various reasons. Join the It's a Hyundai tier for just five bucks a month and get access to everything. Click the link in the description or just go to patreon.com slash nohugging and sign up today. I wonder if I can do this like a monster truck show announcer. Patreon.com slash no hugging. Patreon.com slash no hugging. Patreon.com slash no hugging. When this episode originally aired, TV Land paid tribute by not programming any shows opposite. Instead, 
just showing a still shot of a closed office door with a pair of handwritten notes that said, we're TV fans, so we're watching the last episode of Seinfeld. We'll return at 10 p.m. Eastern, (laughs) 7 p.m. Pacific, which is pretty funny. And I remember them doing something similar for the Friends finale. I always mixed up which was which, but for the Friends finale, I remember on TV Land, they had like a live stream of their employees watching the Friends finale. So (laughs) you couldn't see the TV. You just saw people watching TV. And I think it was all canned and pre-filmed ahead of time because I remember switching back and forth to see what they were laughing at the right moments, and they they definitely weren't. Um, But it's still a funny bit. still a funny bit. Larry David has consistently stated that he has no regrets about how the show ended. Jerry has had more reservations about the finale as the years have gone on, saying that while bringing back all their favorite guest stars and crew was a fun thing to do, it did not make for good comedy. And I think both of us agreed with that. (laughs) Doing another clip show for your finale after the finale clip show was um, not that great of an idea. As fun as it was, it would have been better if we'd had some actual plot. 2007, David said if he were to redo it, he would have kept the plot of the finale less of a secret since this heightened expectations. <laughs> I wonder if that would have worked. Like, okay, on at uh, eight is the clip show and afterwards the finale. If, so if you're looking at a TV guide, it says more clips of the gang's adventures. Uh, like, oh, okay. That's all right. Yeah. I think the hype would have died down. Since the episode originally aired in a highly unorthodox 75-minute time slot when packaged for syndication, it was edited down to two episodes within uh, with 30-minute time slots. And so several scenes have to cut. I think While I was watching this, I felt like I was watching some new scenes every now and then. And it's because it had been such a long time since I'd seen the finale as it was broadcast. So in, the, in syndication, you do not see Donald Sanger's testimony, the bubble boy. You don't see George Steinbrenner. The scene between Jerry and Elaine before the jury re-enters the courtroom, I guess when she says, I've always loved United Airlines, that is cut in syndication. Uh, really? Yeah. I feel like that's a pretty important bit. Yeah, but it also is like not that funny of a gag. It's not, and, but it's important. Yeah, I, I guess it does pay off what she was going to say, but I also didn't care that much. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> Like, if it, it, yeah, I, I don't, <laughs> I, I could see not, not putting it in and, and just not even thinking about like, eh, wonder what she was going to say. Uh, who cares? Jerry's opening stand-up act is cut after he spent all that work on it in syndication and the scene in Monk's Cafe. I don't know what that means. Maybe the first scene in Monk's Cafe when George. Oh, probably. Yeah. I think we remarked the about catch how up that. Pit. Yeah. We remarked oh how that God. scene doesn't accomplish anything except George saying he wants a shot. You know, when is he going to get his shot in life? And the scene with Jerry, Elaine, George, and Kramer having a meal in their cell was used for the credits of the first part. So it makes no sense because it that's a callback to George wanting ketchup in the first scene. So when you see it in syndication, I, I guess it's still kind of funny because... Jesus Christ, they, they had to butcher this <laughs> episode did. for syndication. My God. Yeah, they did. It's unrecognizable. It's like that, <sighs> it's like that cat woman who got all that plastic surgery. Like, <laughs> what? You're not even a person anymore. This isn't even an episode. What is this? Jackie Childs in bed with Sidra and he tells her the jury may be out for a long time, but then he gets a phone call right away is probably a reference to the 95 OJ Simpson verdict, which which was reached after only four hours of deliberation. While the public had been warned the deliberations might go on for days. So the same kind of, uh, you know, back to the OJ well one more time. We know they like doing that on Seinfeld. And uh, I, I have to throw this in because it's one quote unquote fun fact about Seinfeld that people love to bring up is that the West Coast airing coincided with the death of Frank Sinatra and Sinatra's ambulance was able to arrive at his home and get back to Cedar sinai so quickly because the traffic was so light because <laughs> everybody was inside watching Seinfeld. And I kind of want to chalk this up to urban legend because A, Sinatra died anyway, um, so it didn't really matter. And B... 
you know, I, I've seen anecdotal evidence of people who are like, no, it, it was a normal, normal rush hour. And, uh, you know, there's not many people on the road at 8 p.m. anyway. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I think it's kind of like, I don't know, sort of wishful thinking or just kind of a made up or like, you know, correlation doesn't mean causation. Like the Seinfeld finale was that night. Sinatra got to the hospital in record time. Therefore, it was because of the Seinfeld. You know, I think it's faulty logic and an urban legend at, at best. But who knows? Maybe there's some truth to it because it's so pervasive. The, you know, it's on every list of like 10 things you didn't know about the Seinfeld reunion or the Seinfeld uh, finale. Jason Alexander's real life wife, Dana Title, is among the jurors in the courtroom scenes. Oh, my uh, God. So there's cool. one of those family member extras. The prison guard who cuts Jerry's set short and escorts him off stage is comedian John Heyman, who provides the voice of Bubble Boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, NBC president Warren Littlefield and former Seinfeld director Tom Sharonis make cameos in the scene in Monks there at the table behind Jerry and Larry David. We, you know, it wouldn't be the return of Larry David without some great Larry David ADR. I didn't pick up on it, but he's one of the last voices you hear as the prisoner who yells, I'm going to cut you at the very end of the episode. <laughs> as Jerry's God, I missed that too. Yeah. I Jesus. can't believe it. Normally we're so uh, attuned to that, but I guess, you know, two seasons without Larry David, we're just out of practice <laughs> hearing his, his loop dialogue. So, yeah, there's another little uh, uh, tidbit there. And that's it. Oh, boy. I mean, normally at this point, I would say, like, do we have any news any or anything? And we would get into yeah. the episode. But yeah, I got, well, is there any news or anything? This is coming out. I know we were talking about Super Bowl commercial prices. This episode of homework is coming out on Super Bowl Sunday. So, Tim, who is your bet to win the Super Bowl? I think it's the, and we'll put the winner <laughs> here later, when after the game so i look like a genius i i think it's the <laughs> cincinnati bengals yeah. you still covered up your mouth didn't you i did yeah yeah, yeah it sounded like it so that <laughs> you could you could hear it yeah so that we could uh you know put the put, you know put some adr over it uh, i think it's going to be the los angeles rams i don't know i mean i i like the bengals because they haven't won in a long time but i like the rams too because I like Taron Killam, and I follow him on Instagram, and he posts about the Rams a lot. A lot of my favorite actors are big Rams fans, of course, because they're, yeah. they're all in L.A. It's in, yeah, it's in L.A. Yeah. So uh, LA's, L.A.'s got a very interesting week because as we're recording this, there is the first NASCAR race taking place in Los Angeles city limits today at the L.A. Coliseum. Wow. That's kind of cool. Like they, they're, they're racing inside the stadium. Huh. It's the sh It's the shortest track they've ever... Uh, ever raced on yeah i feel like you just and... put like a brick on the accelerator and a <laughs> like and tie the steering wheel in a constant right turn and then just just take a nap <laughs> just go around and around <laughs> well, perfect it's a, circle it, it's a very interesting track because like the the corners are they're wide because i mean it's a football stadium so yeah. like you, you're not just like turning left and then just Go, going straight you have to like turn left straighten out then turn left uh, to go onto the straightaway again it's huh. it's interesting yeah i know i'm probably out. the only person that is listening to this that will be watching it <laughs> but i mean in addition to that los angeles getting their uh, a super bowl in their own stadium too yeah with uh, yeah playing the, i mean it happens it's happened i saw a great um nfl sports joke about like because it's happened so often where the one of the teams in the super bowl ends up playing in their home stadium and it was like a fake memo from Roger Goodell is like to make sure that never happens again from now on the Super Bowl is going to be in Dallas every single year just so <laughs> and I was like that's very that's very funny uh you gotta love sports you've gotta love sports <laughs> okay so how do we want to do the reveal of what we are doing next 
Um, should we try to say it at the same time or something? <laughs> should I? Should I I- insert a bomb? 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 Dum 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 Oh, that'd be a great okay. place to for for the actual real life theme song to pop up. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Well, after uh, I will put that there, but you are listening to to us talk about us putting it there <laughs> after the theme song has played. So it it's pretty obvious right now. We are moving to curb your enthusiasm. Curb your enthusiasm, Larry David's foray back into half hour sitcom comedy on HBO. And what uh, you know? What's your what's your frame of reference for Curb Your Enthusiasm? Anything, Ted? I have seen like three episodes. Wow, of it, and I feel like my take on Curb is going to be a lot more common than it was with Seinfeld because Seinfeld was on a network. Yeah. it was this huge show. Everyone has seen it. Curb Your Enthusiasm from its inception has been on premium cable. Yes, yeah, that's true. Uh, I don't and even and think it only made the jump only in to... the last like few years has been a little bit more accessible with HBO Max and and uh, going back further than that HBO Go. Yeah, and I don't even think it has made the jump to just because it is so filthy. I don't think it has ever made the jump to syndication, even like something like The Sopranos has. You know, AMC used to have The Sopranos heavily edited, and I don't, I don't, I do not think this one has. Let me see. Oh wait, on never mind. I take that back. So it was on the TV Guide Network. Uh, on basic cable <laughs> starting what? in 2010 yeah and oh then oh my god and then it looks like could... it was on uh, uh wgn wgn as well yeah wow but was removed the following year due to low ratings probably because it's not worth watching unless you're actually <laughs> able to see and hear all of the dialogue um and then it went oh the... no that, that's that's on wgn that's not on tv guide channel well no yeah so um uh, in 2010 it premiered on the tv guide network uh, in okay. June of 2010, and then in September of 2010, it started on local stations in WGN, uh, but then only lasted a year, but then debuted on TV Land February of 2013, but I don't think I've ever seen it on there. I, I don't think I've ever seen it on basic cable at all, but evidently it did have some small syndication runs, but I think the only way to watch it is on HBO, and if, so of course we'll be watching the unedited versions on HBO Max, but it uh, started October 15th, 2000. And actually, I wonder if we should even start with the 1999 one-hour special Larry David Curb Your Enthusiasm because that mm. that might be the place to start. That's kind of the pilot because that was like a Larry David mockumentary comedy special that was going to be a one-off on HBO. And then it did so well that HBO, I think, was like, why don't we just do a series? And, and he was down. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I know I mentioned last week the line of Jerry saying, "Oh yeah, we'll be we'll be gone for a year and we'll be back out." Yeah, yeah. What makes that line interesting is that they went into jail in May of '98. Yeah. And it it even works better talking about the Curb Your Enthusiasm hour long special premiering on October seventeenth, nineteen ninety nine. So a little over a year later. Yeah, that's true. And they were he was you know, Larry David was <laughs> back on TV anyway. But interestingly enough, I mean, not to spoil too much for you, Ted, but one season of Curb Your Enthusiasm is about a Seinfeld reunion. So I, I have heard yeah. that. I, I know it it's like season seven, I think. I think you're right. right? Yeah. Okay. That's that 
I, I've seen, I know about that existing. I've never seen any episodes from it, but I know about that. I've seen the Baseball Hall of Fame episode. Okay. Um, I think I know which one you're talking about. Is that the one like with a, Bill Buckner? I have no okay. idea. I, I think it's the one where Larry takes Viagra. Okay. Yeah, you see, even even my frame of reference isn't, because I remember watching it. In 2000, I was still in college. So yeah. somebody had HBO and we were able to watch it. So <laughs> I do remember watching at least the first couple seasons. And then I, I fell off. I'm trying to find the season. It was pretty, I want to say season nine. Uh, so I, I, you know, I lasted pretty well into the run of the show, but then I, you know, what it was was having kids and it's not a show you can watch with kids in the room. And so once we had a kid that was going to be in the room, Sarah and I had to stop watching it. So I, you know, <laughs> 2017 sounds about right for that. There was a six year break in between season eight and nine. Season eight ended in 2011 damn. and then season nine didn't start till 2017. So I, that, I, I know that there's, yeah. there's been like some extended breaks yeah, Larry always says, I'm, I'm not going to do another season at the end of every <laughs> season. And then he always comes back. He's like, no, no, this is it. This is the very last season, never doing it again. And then HBO announces, like, Herb is coming back. <laughs> and it looks like each season has a hard 10 episodes per season. Because yeah. there's 11 seasons, and I'm looking at number of episodes thinking it would be much higher. It says 110. So 11 times 10. Yeah. So we've got 110 episodes. Um, but what's interesting about this doing this show is that's going to take us a while you know 110 weeks it's going to take two years yeah. at least and but the show is we'll probably probably finish this up sometime or i mean if we if we're taking our time estimates from the beginning of seinfeld yeah. into consideration we can say it'll take two years and then we'll finish it up in 18 months somehow yeah probably somehow but so we'll, pro we'll probably finish this up by the end of 2024 it's also still in production you know, like th this show is not That's very true. It, it hasn't had a, you know, it hasn't had a series finale. It's still the last we, season just ended the day after Christmas, 2021. We can always like finish up Curb and then move on to something else and then just have a break and then go into Curb again and then go back to Curb. I think that's probably um, yeah, <laughs> I think that's probably might be what's going to happen, you know, because uh, in two years he could conceivably looking at all the dates that the show came out have another have another season out you know so oh man yeah so i guess is that um i, I do have an, one final question about seinfeld but is that all the curb preamble that we have i mean you you're you're think, kind of I mean, familiar have, with it's I, not as uh yeah, yeah. I, it, it's not nearly as iconic yeah as seinfeld but i'm definitely excited excited to watch it because like I've heard a lot of people say, oh, wow, there's so many episodes of Curb. You're going to go forever when there's <laughs> there's fewer episodes of Curb than Seinfeld. And we we just did Seinfeld. Yeah. You know, and this is sort of the opposite of Seinfeld for me, because I didn't watch live the Seinfeld. You know, I, I definitely it wasn't must see TV for me in the first couple seasons. I don't know when I started watching the original run, but I've been watching the original run of Curb since it was on. And then I fell off around season nine interestingly enough so it's going to be fun to watch all of these in chronological order for the first time and even catch up and watch the last three seasons that i've missed because uh you know i'm excited about that but there are like certain like do you know pretty pretty good pretty, pretty good pretty pretty good pretty pretty good does that sound familiar yeah a little bit yeah so that's from curb and that sort of has entered uh entered the lexicon uh, a little bit that might be the only big main major quote <laughs> from the show that is kind of crossed over i can't think of anything else maybe they'll come maybe it'll you know maybe something will come 
as uh, as we watch. But my final question about Seinfeld before we wrap up on that is like, you know, like an exit interview for you, Ted, like watching all <laughs> these episodes for the first time. And now, like, are you a fan? Are you going to become as rabid about, you know, watching it on, you know, I, I've loved now that we're finished up, like watching it on Comedy Central and watching like for it, it's not on enough in, in my for my liking. I wish Comedy Central ran it as much as they yeah, run the I, office. I wish Comedy Central played it from 6 to 8 a.m. instead of the Cleveland show because yeah. there is nothing on in the morning. And I, I think I've told you, we have a TV in our studio. Yeah. And I have the Cleveland show on. <laughs> and then that goes into South Park because there's just nothing else. I wish they had Seinfeld from 6 to 8 and then uh, South Park from, from 8 to to whenever because they don't have uh, Seinfeld starting until three Eastern. You know, a lot of and... a lot of stations put on the local news or something. Ted, <laughs> eh, I don't care about the news. <laughs> well, what 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 am I gonna do? Br- break in over talking about Kim Kardashian and say, "Hey, big news! <laughs> Bucky's is coming to town." Actually, I would break in about that. Yeah, um, I, I'd be like, "Hey, big news! There's a uh, there's a single flake of snow on on Route 6. <laughs> And it has caused a three-hour backup. That sounds like something people would be talking about. But just to give you an example of something the local news was covering around here, uh, we had a, a bridge collapse that, you know, <laughs> if I was on the air, I probably would have seen, you know, breaking live. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I um, guess. I guess I should put on the news. <laughs> but we, we have, like, a, we have a local news team, like a, a local news station that they do, yeah. like, like, breaking reports for us. Oh. And it's it's awesome. They're they're all cool people. Yeah, uh, but I don't know. I, I guess I could put on the news. <laughs> but so you are a um, you know, you're you're a Seinfeld fan. You'll watch it if it's on. You enjoyed yeah. the experience. I have bought many Seinfeld products. That's as true. Of now I, I think I don't know if you saw what I put on on the No Hugging Twitter account. I got a 500 piece Seinfeld puzzle. Yeah, which I am currently working on. Yeah, and it is difficult because the pieces are so fucking <laughs> tiny. Yeah, <laughs> each piece is like uh, three quarters of an inch. Just all different shades of Caucasian skin. Yeah, well, it's um, it, it's it's a 500 piece puzzle, but the whole thing is only like 14 inches wide by 18 inches tall. <laughs> so. It, it, it's oh my tiny. gosh! It's like a travel but puzzle. I, you could bring it on a plane yeah, and do yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm I'm definitely I I'm gonna keep it and like glue it together once I put it together. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice. Because so, it, 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 it yeah, it'll look really cool. <laughs> uh, um. Okay. Well, so I still love Seinfeld too. So I guess that's it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah. Wait. No. No need to dig deeper on that. It, it didn't make me hate it. <laughs> you know, watching it and and you know doing a lot of work surrounding it. So. That's good too. So, um, were, were you were you kind of like bummed at all, like going back and watching it and seeing like may, maybe this doesn't work currently? Like 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 I had that expectation of like there's definitely going to be some parts of this show that are not appro- not appropriate isn't the right word that don't hold up well into a modern comedy landscape. Yeah, and did, did 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 that ever happen for you? Were there any moments that you're like, yeah, they, they, they this shouldn't uh, this shouldn't have happened then, or like this never could happen now? I don't remember anything specifically. I remember us talking at length about certain things and and landing on like 
a better way to do that now, but it's certainly nothing that I would cancel Seinfeld for. Um, <laughs> and, and I remember taking the show and the era's side a lot of times and having to explain. I can always look back at something from the 80s and 90s and go, oh, yeah, that was offensive now. It's just the people who it's making fun of didn't have a voice or whatever. But, you know, the stuff that would pop up in Seinfeld, I feel like I was still able to kind of explain, you know, in the context and, you know, maybe not even bring maybe not bring you around on it, but at least not think it was as bad as it was going to be, you know, as far as yeah, stuff that didn't age well, you know, even, like like I, I just saw on Comedy Central, the um, the cigar store Indian one where he brings that for Elaine and oh yeah 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 and we I remember we kept having to call it the uh the CSI or the cigar store Native <laughs> American or whatever but like Jerry's not Jerry is supposed to be cringe in that episode like he did something and no one thinks it's cool or funny like nobody watching yeah, goes very true. yeah that Native American lady got it like yeah, loosen they, they up got- they got what was coming yeah. to them. No, no, stop it. No, yeah, like, Elena's embarrassed to be friends with Jerry. Jerry apologizes and tries to, like, you know, make amends and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think it ages well in the same way that a lot of, like, Michael St- Michael Scott stuff is aging. People try to go, you couldn't make that today. You couldn't even make The Office today. And <laughs> you watch and go, like, well, if you don't, if you think that, you missed the point, you know? So I was I was glad to go back and, and watch it with that lens and see that it wasn't as bad as all of the think pieces make it out to be. But of course, that's not a good article. No one's going to click on, you know, Seinfeld aged pretty well. No one's going to click that. You know, <laughs> like Seinfeld, not offensive, still not that offensive. Can you think of anything specific that, you know, that you remember from the run that we talked about that definitely didn't age well and is indefensible or? Uh, probably the... Uh... <laughs> Uh, drugging Jerry's girlfriend to right. <laughs> to play with her toys. Yeah, and, and I, obviously that's the basis of the joke. Is well, they're not doing anything bad. You're you're still drugging a person to take advantage of them. Yeah, and I remember well, Jerry's defense well, there, was there's, there's no sexual act in there, but you are still taking advantage of them. And they were playing it. They were playing that angle for laughs. You know, like I remember. I know. I, know. I remember yeah. him essentially like slut shaming her for the toys, like. Oh, please, you were asking for it. All the toys are displayed out, like, whatever. You know, like, if they're out, then I get to play with them. Like, essentially, you know, yeah, that that didn't age as well, especially because they doubled down on Jerry's defense of his actions, and he's not ashamed of what he's done. And they do it even after he's caught. Or somebody does, not Jerry, but Elaine and somebody else. They want the the gumball from the gumball machine (laughs) or whatever. So (laughs) Elaine does it uh, later on, yeah, so... I guess that's a great point. That's that's a good one that that yeah, even I have to agree with. They could have written a better villain for that story than good old Jerry Brock Turner Seinfeld. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Instead instead of he's a really good swimmer, you guys. It's look, he's a famous comedian. Yeah. He's a famous comedian. Everything he's worked for could be taken away just for this one, you know. <laughs> just for just for this one mistake. Come on, this he's one he's mistake. just he he's just a little guy. Come on, yeah. you would do that <laughs> to this lovable comedian. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a good point. Uh, all right, so is that it? I think that is it. All right, how did this mini episode? Oh, yeah, all the shop talk at the beginning that's probably gone by now. All right, <laughs> for No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.